Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Um, all right, now if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Romans, chapter 12. That's what we're going to be reading out of today. We are still talking about um, the kingdom of God and character, the idea that um, character matters. It's not something that always, always is spoken about in the church, but character is a very, very important part of what it means to be a Christian. Jesus was very clear on, on just a better way of living. When we talk about character, we're talking about the, the way God wants us to live. And I'm telling you, when you live the way God wants you to live, uh, things are better. Things are better for your soul. Things are better in your life. And so that is what we are talking about. And um, we're going to talk about a little, a different piece of that. And so in Romans chapter 12, if you have your Bibles, I'm gonna, the, it'll be on the screen in a second. But it says, I appeal to you, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. All right, that, that reference right there is really the, the chapters 1 through 11 in Romans, where, God, where Paul explained the mercies of God and, and how we're saved by grace, and it's nothing that we did. It's, it's the call of God, and it's the transformation that he brings. And so in chapters 1 through 11, he's kind of summarizing in that one statement. So if you want to understand, like, therefore, the mercies of God, go home and read the first 11 chapters of Romans because it'll help you understand that. But this is a work of mercy. It's um, when we talk about character and we talk about activity, Activity and doing things for the Lord. It's not always, it's, it's, it's not things we do to earn God's blessing or God's favor, but it's because God has shown us mercy and because he's given us favor, like it, it's our response to that. And that's what the second part of that says. It says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God. He just explained, explained the mercy, this undeserved mercy and grace that we have in Christ. He says, because of that, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So he's saying because of all the mercy that God has shown us, our response is to present our bodies. All right, He's not talking about your heart. He's talking about your body. He's talking about your, your, what you do with your body and what you do with your life. And it says this living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Um, I've heard people say, not, not, not recently in our church, but I've heard it said in other churches at other times, um, they'll say, oh, you know, I didn't get anything out of worship today. You're not supposed to. It's for him. Right? It's not for you. Like worshiping, that, that's for him. And sometimes, like God meets us in worship and we, we have like this, our faith is built and our emotions are, are touched. Like that's all good and well. But really, it's worship is, is what we present to God. So even though he's saying present your bodies, he's saying that's your spiritual Worship. See, we like to make a distinction that God doesn't make. We like to think that there's this spiritual side of us and there's this physical side of us. And Jesus like, is really interested in the spiritual, but the body doesn't matter. And that's not the gospel. 
That's why the word became flesh. And it's this idea that even presenting of our bodies, even the things that we do with our lives, is a spiritual act of worship. And again, that's for him, not for us. So when we gather together to worship in song, remember, it's for him. It's a song we're singing. It's an attitude of our heart. And and when we present our bodies, it's for him. He says in verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. So there's a desire. He wouldn't say that if that wasn't just a pull. There's a pull from the world on all of us that's trying to conform us to itself. I want you to know that they want us all to think the same, to act the same, to do the same. And he's saying, don't be conformed to the world. But he says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So in other words, we already talked about bodies, right? But he's saying, if you're going to get your body to act right, if you're going to, get, if you're going to do right, you've got to think right. And it's saying, allow your mind to be renewed. Some of us, like that, that's, we need to remember that because we're holding on to things or we're thinking about things certain ways or, or we have some stuff that has just filled up our minds and, and we need to allow God to renew it. It's kind of like if you've ever had a computer and you open up too many tabs and too many programs and then, and then you try to open up one more tab. Have you ever had that? I have a laptop that's about 10 years old right now. And you can do a few things on it, but if you try to do too much, it just gets like, and it starts spinning and then I start getting angry and like all this stuff starts happening. And sometimes that's what's going on in our minds. We have, we have all these tabs from the world open, all these programs that the world wants us to be a part of. And we need to be renewed. And just like with the computer, what do you need to do? Sometimes you need to get a new one. Or sometimes you need to restart it and let everything be wiped out and start again. And that needs to happen in our minds if our bodies are going to be a living sacrifice. And then it says that by testing, you may be able to discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. This idea of testing, man, that that is so awesome that the scripture asks us to do that. See, you need to be testing everything you hear. You should be testing everything I say. Don't think that just because I'm saying it, it's true. Don't think that any preacher that is just talking is always right, but test it. See, but you can't test it unless your mind is renewed. But it's renewed through the Scripture. It's renewed through understanding the Scripture. And it's renewed by the Spirit of God enlightening and revealing that Scripture to us. And we should be testing things. See, don't be so quick to accept everything. See, there's, there's usually like two types of people. Some people will just believe anything. Right? They, they believe anything and you're like, wow, I can't believe you believe that. And some other people, they believe nothing. Right, they don't want to believe any of it. Like They just have a hard time accepting anything. And the idea that testing should fix both of those problems. For the person that is just open to everything and lets every new teaching and every new doctrine come, test them by the word. And for the people that, you know, they're just afraid to believe anything, test it by the word. And if the word says it, well then accept it. Not because you like it, but because that's what the word says, like there's testing, and it says that you can discern what is the will of God, what God wants. God wants what is good, God wants what is acceptable, and God wants what is perfect. Verse 3, 
And this is something I, I want to understand. I want you to get and, and remember. It says, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment. See, there is a grace given to each of us. Paul is pointing it out. He's saying God had given him this grace. Paul was a murderer, somebody who persecuted the church, chased down Christians, drug them out of their houses, and brought them to jail. He was a very, very, like, he wouldn't be the one we would pick. All right, it's like we were looking like, who is God going to use? You're not going to pick the guy that's running house to house killing Christians. You're not going to say he's the next guy that's going to lead this movement. But God had different plans. And it was by grace. It wasn't anything he earned. And he says, Paul's very, he understands that. It's nothing that I earned. It's nothing that I deserve. But because of this grace that was given to me, I have to speak. Because that's what he was called to do. He was, he was called to write these letters. Thank God he was. Thank God he used the grace that God had given him. And he, he wrote these letters and so we can understand the gospel and understand what Jesus means to us. He says, don't think of yourself more highly than he ought to think. Paul, the guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, is talking about how he, he appreciates that he's humble. Now, he doesn't think too highly of himself, but to think with a sober judgment, a clean mind, a mind that is focused and that understands and can reason. See, God likes a reasonable mind, a mind that is clear-headed. And then look what he says. He goes, to each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. See, God has given a measure. God has given a measure of faith and a measure of grace to each of us. And God has assigned it. Like, he has created us. Like, one time he created us. And this is what you have to understand about the gospel. That one time we were created and we were fashioned in our mother's stomach. He was involved in that. And he decided how we were going to look and the color of our skin and what kind of hair we were having, our eye color and how big we would get and what our muscle, muscular structure would look like. He decided all of that in our physical birth. But, but in our new birth... God decided how we should be too. He, he created us and he shaped us for a purpose. And that's what we're going to talk about. See, so you can't talk about the character of God without understanding that he's also called us for a purpose. In verse 4 he says, For as in one body we have many members, and all the members don't have the same functions. See, we're one body in Christ. One body, he is the head. We talked about that last week, but it's, it's one body with many members, and not every member has the same function. Try to smell with your toes. doesn't work. Try to walk on your nose. It's not going to work. Like there's things that the body was created to do and each part of the body plays like an excellent role in that. It says, so we're members of the same body, we're one body, members in Christ and individually members of each other. See, if Christ is the head, like all the body comes together to help keep the head in line, but, you know, the, the body also helps itself. I was walking and I, I needed a, a stick because we went up a mountain and I was using this stick and my arm was helping my feet because my feet were weak at that moment. And so as we're members of each other, sometimes we help each other out. We support those who are weak. We, we, we lend our strength 
when the other members don't have it. And so now in verse 6, he's going to go and he's going to start talking about gifts. See, there's this idea that when you are born again, you are, you are given gifts, that God places things in you that you didn't earn, you didn't deserve, but they're gifts. And it says gifts that differ according to the grace that is given to us. God did not give you and I the same gifts and the same grace. Like we've been given grace, but one of us might have grace in this area. The others of us have grace in that area. I did not get any grace in the musical arena. There's zero grace there. Now, I could fight against that. I could say, oh, I want to sing. Right? I could. I could say, oh, I want to sing. Singing is good. Worshiping is good. Therefore, I shall sing. But you would recognize there's no grace in that area. There's no gifting in that area. And for the good of the body, I should stop. It says, amen. Thank you, dear. All right, so it says, gifts different according to the grace that is given us. And then he says, let us use them. Let us use them. See, in verse 4, he says, not all have the same function. Verse 4, it talked about the same function. And in verse 6, it says, let us use them. That word function in verse 4 is the idea of activity, that you were created for activity. I want you to think about that. You, you were not created just to sit and get. God did not create any single person just to come and sit in the church. That was nothing. That, that's not it. It's, you come, you, you sit, but you become a part of the church, a part of the body, and you find an activity that is in line with the will of God, right? Because he said that you may discern what the will of God is, but you find out what the will of God is, and you, you find an activity that can support that or that can be in line with that. All right, and so now he's going to list a few. He says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving one another, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So we're going to talk about some of these gifts. And the first one we'll talk about is the first one he lists. He lists prophecy. The, the outside of the Bible, in, in the Greek, that word was used to mean understanding the will of the gods, plural. Why? Because they had many gods, and they, someone who would prophesy would be someone who would say, hey, I know what these gods are saying. I know what, what we are supposed to do. In the Christian faith, shouldn't we understand God's will? Shouldn't we know what God would have us to do? I want to give an example in my life of how I've seen that work. There was a, a time, and some of you have heard this story, but I'll keep it short. But there was a time when I was younger that I was, man, I, I, I did what I thought God's will was. I, when I got saved, it wasn't in a church. So I, I realized I felt God's will was to go to church, and it is, amen. And then as I was sitting in church, I felt like, God would have me to help bring others there because it was so good. It was so exciting. And so as a 17-year-old kid, I would fill my truck up with youth from all over the city of Miami, and I'd bring them in there. 
And sometimes it wasn't even one load. It was like multiple loads of kids. Like I, I'd spend an hour of my own time driving around, picking up, you know, tens of kids. And sometimes I got pulled over because I had too many people in my car. But, you know, that's what I did. Well, one of those nights I was driving everybody home. It was a Wednesday night. And I, we did, I did grow up in Miami, but there's the west and the south part of Miami was fields at that time. It's kind of changing now. There's a lot of different things popping up. But there were avocado fields and tomato fields, and it's basically dark. It's not You wouldn't really call it a city, and that's kind of where my house was. And I'm driving in a very dark part of the area, and there's this young – or to me now, I know she was probably like 24. She was a young lady. But when you're 17, it was like, man, this old lady was sitting there on the side of the road. So as I'm driving through there, like I see her, and she's just sitting like Indian style. I see her, and I just like keep going. And, and I felt – impressed and I can't explain it but but I just felt impressed go tell her that I love her and it was this feeling it was this it, it, it was a compulsion you know what Paul talks about the love of Christ compels us and I did what any sane person should do I just kept driving but the further I got away from her the stronger this feeling was so I said well you know I judged it I said well God loves her well yes God loves people and all right, and I, I'd never done anything like this before, so I turned my car around and I stopped. And in that moment, you know, I, it was Miami, so I parked on the other side of the road, real far away, so she didn't think I was going to up to no good. And I said, "Hey, my name's Chris. What's yours?" And she says, "It's Faith." Felt a little better. I was like, "That's a godly name." And I said, "Well, God wants you to know He loves you." Completely terrified. Just the feeling like that's what God had compelled me to do. She just starts crying, like heavy, nasty, ugly crying. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, what's going on here? And so I kind of like gently walk over to the side there, and she shared a story. She said, you're never going to believe this. She said, I left my house. I got in a fight with my boy boyfriend. It was one of those bad fights. She explained how holes were in the wall, doors were broken, things were smashed. And she just wanted to get away from everybody, and she left um, her apartment and just started walking into the middle of nowhere. And she said, I was sitting here looking up at the stars, and I was telling God, God, if it's really real and you really love me like you said, people say you do, then prove it. God did. We prayed with her. We got her into a church, not my church. She had a home church that she was a part of. And see, it's bigger than just your church. Like, this is people's souls. And so it was her home church that she had family in, so that was good for her. She had to be there, so we got her there. That was, an, that was a place of understanding what the will of God is. And that was in proportion to my faith because that was a simple statement that I knew was in the Scripture. God loves you. Was it anything weird? It was anything crazy? I didn't tell her about some dream I had of like eagles flying on fire. It was none of that stuff. It was just like I understood what God wanted her to hear. Now another example to, to, to kind of show a different side. There was another time we were at a gas station with, with my youth pastor at the time. And there were these four or five, I can't remember the number, but four or five kids that were really dirty. They were asking people for food, just standing by the gas station. See, this was a time where there was no prophetic, no compulsion. God, I didn't feel God leading me. 
But I knew the scripture, and the scripture says if someone's hungry, feed them. So we went over there, and this was not a, a spiritual experience in my like life. It was just a, there's people that are hungry, they are in need, I could buy them some food. So we went and we bought them some food, we started talking with them, and I remember two, Titi and Dwight, they were there, and they needed a ride home. So we said, all right, jump in, and we gave these four or five kids a ride home, and they were living with a foster family. And there was like ten kids in this house. And the foster family, you know, nothing against foster families, but this particular one didn't seem very healthy. So through that one event, giving them food because they were hungry, giving them a ride because they needed it, we wound up bringing these guys to church like every time the door was open. All, like, we, we actually got a church van at that point, so I would drive the church van there, bring, I don't know, there'd be like 10 of these foster kids. They were rough. Like, I'd be driving on the road, they'd start fighting behind me, like fist fighting. I'd pull the van over, and I'd, like, throw them apart and say, stop. And, but then we'd get them to church, and, and, like, after a few months, you saw God start to work in them. And when they would talk about prayer, we'd say, kids, what do you need prayer for? But Dwight and Titi would always say, because they were brothers, they'd say, pray for our mom, pray she gets her life together, and pray she gets, and so we were praying with them and loving them and teaching them the scripture. And um, eventually they got moved to a different house, and we kind of lost touch with them. But before we left Miami, we ran into them in the mall, and they're, oh, Pastor Chris, T.T. Dwight, what's up? They're like, my mom, we're back with my mom. She's better. She's doing, thank God. And See, but that wasn't like a like a prophetic experience. It wasn't like this compulsion. That was just the right thing to do. If somebody is hungry, feed them. Somebody, If you can help someone by giving them a ride, help them. So you don't always need a voice from God telling you to say, hey, go tell that person I love them. But you need to understand what the will of God is. You need to be willing to do what you can do. It says, in service, in our serving. Do you know that like service helps? That's a gift. Being somebody that like you, you don't mind getting it done. What is it? Doesn't matter. If it needs to get done. I will help and I will serve and I will I will be a part of the solution. There there are some people that God has wired you that way. You might not want to lead anything. But you like getting things done. You like helping out where you can help out. And God says that he's gave, placed that gift in the body. Why? Because there's work to be done. And if that's your gift, if it's not a teaching gift or a leadership gift, but it's a service gift, do that. And that's good. And don't nobody should look down on you like just because you're not the one speaking or the one teaching. Like You might be doing something that is way more important. It might be almost in the shadows. It might be off to the side. But if that is what God has created you to do, then find ways to serve people. The next thing, it says, the one who teaches in his teaching. You know, teaching is a gift. Teaching in, in the scriptural sense is a gift. There are some people that just can't do it. That's you. That's okay. You're not a teacher. Don't try to be one. I'm not saying to, like, push people away, but I'm trying to relieve the burden. Like, some of you, like, you, you can't even explain your phone number. And that's okay. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're all wired differently. 
You know, you try to share your phone number. People are like, what? Area code last? And you're like, oh, okay. But, and that's all right. I'm not, I'm not poking fun at anybody, but I'm just saying, like, be who God has created you to be. And if you're not called to be a teacher, then don't do it. But if you are, then you should study well. And not only should you study well, you should, you should rely on the empowerment of the Spirit. No matter how much you studied, no matter how much you prepared, you should always, always walk into any time you teach with an attitude of, God, I cannot do this without you. Grant me the strength. Grant me the words. And now some of you, you know, you might be a teacher. You just haven't had a chance to do that. But it's good. Why? Because just like there's plenty of things that we need help with in serving in the body, and I'm not just talking about the organization of the church, but just people needing help, there's a lot of people that need teaching. And we need teachers to, to rise up and to, to accept that mantle and say, hey, God has gifted me in this. I should be teaching. Then it says the one who exhorts in his exhortation. That's like the word exhorts. It's, it's a rich word, but it means like encouragement, but it also means like inviting people in um, to something. And it's this idea that there are some people that you might be a great teacher, but you can't, you can't encourage people. You can't get them to, to get on board with anything. And there's other people that you might not necessarily be able to teach, but you have a way of exhorting people and of encouraging them and, and calling them to a greater thing. You might say, hey, I can't teach, but this guy can. Let's go together. Come on, I'll take you to this small group. I know it's awesome. You've got to meet this guy. You've got to meet this couple. They lead it, and they're great. And, and that might just be your role, but that is a good role. Teachers need you to step up, and you might just be the one that is encouraging people and, and calling them and that people will listen to, and that, that's a gift. The next one, it says, the one who contributes in generosity. There are some people that are just givers. It's similar to, to the servers, except it's people that are just givers. They like to give. They feel, they feel good when they give. If that's you, like, be generous. If God has put that inside you to be a giver and given you the opportunity where you have something to give, then don't miss out on that service, on that blessing of, of being a giver. And then it says, be generous. Too many times I've heard, like, waitresses say, oh, I hate working after, on Sundays after church because all the Christians are stingy. They'll tell me God loves me, but they'll leave a $2 tip. If you're going to leave the $2 tip, then keep your mouth closed. Don't bring God into it. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm not being judgmental, but I'm just saying we should be generous. Plan that in, the cost of the meal. That's not for me. That's, that's just being good. And some of you guys are givers, and, and we appreciate the, the generosity people have shown to this church. And also I hear about the generosity people have shown to each other. Do that. The one who leads with zeal. See, God has created some people as leaders. Like you have a vision, you have a purpose, you, you do that. And it says do it with zeal, with passion, with vigor, not like, not reluctantly, but like, hey, if God has called you to be a leader and if he has gifted you to be a leader, then lead well. Go all in. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. 
some of you guys, anytime there's a need, anytime there's someone suffering, any someone's in the hospital or someone is, is going through something or, or they've really sinned and they just feel horrible, you just you have this amazing mercy inside of you. Others don't. Others are like, I ah, let them deal with it. They'll get put some dirt on it, rub it in and get up. But others of you, you have this mercy, this generosity, and so these acts of mercy, like some of you are called to that. And I'm telling you specifically, out of all the gifts in this list right here, it's not exhaustive, but I'm calling for people in Lakeside Church that have a gift for acts of mercy, that want to help serve this community. I have that heart, but I need somebody that says, you know what, I'm tired of sitting on the bench I want to figure something out. I want to serve people. And, and I, want to, I want to show acts of mercy that you've recognized a need and you want to be a part of the solution to that. And so I say that honestly. If that's you, if you have the gift, like if you just feel led to these acts of mercy, maybe it's feeding the homeless, maybe it's like you have a heart for single mothers and, and fixing their cars because, you know, they can't, maybe they can't do it on their own or whatever need you can think of. Maybe it's like children who have been through something. I don't know, but if you have a need, like you have this mercy gift, talk to me. I can do my best in helping lead that and helping exhorting people to get behind you. But I'm calling for someone in this body to stand up so that we can do more for those in need. I'm going to be honest. I can't do it all. But from this passage of Scripture, it doesn't look like I should. I should use the grace given to me. I'm, I'm hoping and I'm praying that there's someone that has that heart that would use the grace given to them to stand up, to really help that happen in our church looking for ways to serve. I want to serve, but I need, I need somebody else that you feel like that is specifically what God has placed on your heart. Now, I want to go to something real quick. We're going we're gonna to flip to the book of John. We're going to stop right there. The book of John, chapter 4. Chapter 4, Jesus is dealing with a woman from Samaria. And the first 29 verses is it's him, and he's talking to her, and he's trying to, to, to get through to her and to help her understand the reality of who he is, right? The story starts off with Jesus and the disciples coming into the town, being exhausted and being hungry. I'm, I'm paraphrasing a couple verses here. But Jesus sits down at the well, and this woman comes up to him, and he has this conversation. While he's doing that, the disciples went to go buy food. They've been traveling. They're tired. They're hungry. Jesus was so tired. I want you to know that, that Jesus was so tired, he even just had to sit down and rest. I want you to know Jesus knows exactly. That's a good thing. Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. He's even been tired. But he's sitting there, and he talks to this lady, and he reveals truth to her. And she winds up getting the whole town um, to come out to see him. And in verse 30, we come near the end of the story. Now, I want you to hear this. It says, while they went, out of, they went out of the town, and they were coming back to him. Verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Remember when the story started? They were hungry. They went to go get food. They're like, eat. Eat, Jesus. We know how tired you are. We know how worn you are, out you are. Verse 32, but he says to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. 
Verse 33, so the disciples said to one another, you want to get him some food? You guys get him something? What is he talking about? And you'll notice a lot of times Jesus said things, and the disciples had no idea what he meant. And they would talk amongst themselves. And Jesus says in verse 34, he says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. Why am I saying this? Why Jesus saying that that was nourishing to his soul, right? God had called him for a purpose. He was physically tired and hungry, but he knew that in completing God's purpose, that God would give him strength, and there was this food that he had. Too many times we're eating an unbalanced diet as Christians. The word is referred to as food. But if you're just getting the word, whether through preaching, through teaching, through studying, through classes, if you're just getting the word, that's only part of what you need. Jesus is pointing out something that that when he does the will of the Father, the Father nourishes him. And sometimes people come to church and they sit there and they hear teaching and it's good teaching. It's biblical teaching. And they just they're hungry and they say, you know what, I'm not being fed. Maybe you need to expand your diet options. Maybe you need to realize God is wants to feed you in a different way. Maybe it's through exhorting others to get involved in a small group or get involved into something. Maybe it's exhorting others to come to church. Maybe like that is what you're, for a long time, that was, I was just exhorting people, come, you have to hear the word of God. You have to do this. Maybe it's through teaching. Maybe some of you, God is calling you to teach and you're not just, you're not satisfied just listening because God is calling you to teach and you need to talk to Caleb or I and we need to walk you through that process of what it would take um, to, to be a teacher here. Or, or, or maybe it's, it's just serving others or acts of mercy, but all those things will be li- listed as food for the soul. Find out what God has called you to do and do it. By called, I mean called and gifted. Where are you effective? Where can you make a difference? Bow your heads with me right now. That list in Romans is not an exhaustive list. It's not all the gifts. There's other gift lists in the Bible. But it's a good start. And the call for you to do what God has gifted you to do, I think, is good and it's biblical. And I encourage you to not just be a bench warmer, because God doesn't call bench warmers. Everyone gets to play. There's space on the field for everyone. But find out how he's gifted you. Find out what you can do, and I promise you, those hours I spent driving kids around Miami, bringing them to church, they were good for my soul. Every time one of those kids accepted Christ, my heart was full. Those late nights I spent taking them home did not wear me out. It energized me. Find how you are supposed to serve and be active in the body of Christ. It's good for your soul. It's not just good for the body. It's food for your soul. How many people in here you feel, you feel maybe God is speaking to you this morning. You need to be more active in his body. More consistently active. Amen. Just put your hand up. I want to know who I'm praying for. Lord, I saw the hands that went up and so did you. Lord, these people are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Jesus, your grace is so rich. It's the manifold grace of God. It's varied. You've called us all unique ways to serve you. Show us how to serve you in accordance with your word, in spirit and in truth. That it's our act of worship, a living sacrifice that we serve. God, and I do pray for those that might have a heart of mercy, people that want to meet real needs in this community. And I pray, God, not only would you just give them the gift, but you'd show them what we can do. We want to bless this community, Lord, and we need your guidance, and we need your grace, and we need those people that are gifted that way to rise up. I pray that they would come alongside us. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you feed us, that you nourish us. Thank you that you nourish us through your word. You nourish us through teaching. But God, thank you for nourishing us when we do your will. We do the things you've called us to do. Thank you for the full hearts that come from that. Bless us. Lead us. Guide us. Keep us. In Jesus' name, amen.